Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, it is the last Sunday in April, and we are here worshiping together in this new way. It feels different to all of us, and yet it is still worship. We still are praising and glorifying God. We still are expressing to God the deepest desires and concerns of our hearts. We still are learning from God in the scripture and the prayers and the music of God's people. So as we continue to gather and prepare ourselves, let me remind you of just a few things. First of all, if you'd like to share your prayer concerns with us, please communicate with us by emailing prayers at villagechurch.org. For any other messages, questions, concerns, ideas, or thoughts, send an email to me, jackb at villagechurch.org. If you would like to send in your financial support, your stewardship given, you can do that by mailing a check to Box 704 in Rancho Santa Fe, 92067, or you can go online to the church website, villagechurch.org, and you can give electronically there. As always, our coronavirus response team and our session and our staff are monitoring the situation out in the larger public as well as the situation in the life of the church. And we have begun to make plans for how it is that we might begin to slowly reopen the church campus and slowly resume our normal activity or what will become our new normal activity at the church. So we're looking ahead even as we still are maintaining the appropriate measures to ensure the health and safety of our entire community here. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of May, and we will be celebrating communion together. So please be planning now for how you will arrange for your wine and for your bread and your own communion table so that you can commune with each other as we worship next week. We'd like to invite you to set up your table ahead of time and take a photograph of your table and you sitting at it and then send it to us early next week so that we can share some of those photographs as we begin worship next week. And in that way, we can continue to enjoy the fellowship of the church and remember some of our many friends and acquaintances in the life of the church. I'll be writing more about that to you next week, but there's a heads up for you right now. Plan to share your photos with us in that way. This morning in worship, I have uh, three crosses on the wall behind me that uh, Helen and I purchased a long time ago in New Mexico. They are something of a southwestern style, and they are some of the many crosses that adorn our home here. We also have a cactus with us that we brought from New Mexico many years ago. The cactus has been blooming, and we think it will be continuing to bloom. Of course, as with any cactus, it has really, really sticky and and painful thorns, but it's also got beautiful blossoms. Maybe it's an interesting parable or allegory for our time. So it's a joy to be with you in worship today. I hope you feel that same joy as we gather. So let's be called together with these words from the 29th Psalm. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as a king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Friends, 
Let us worship God.
We sing praises and hallelujahs to the Lord, but we don't always praise God through our words and through our lives, through our actions. We come before God's presence knowing that God so loved us that he gave his son Jesus Christ for the life of the world. Because of that good news, we can offer our prayers of confession, naming those broken places in our lives and the world that need God's renewing and transforming power. Let us pray together our prayer of confession. Everlasting God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son to take our nature and to suffer death upon the cross. Yet we have rejected your gift of yourself, turning to gods of our own making and following pathways of our own choosing. In your mercy, forgive us and enable us to share in Christ's obedience to your will and to share in the glorious victory of Christ's resurrection. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, hear and believe and trust in the good news of God in Jesus Christ, that God so loved us that he gave his son Jesus Christ who died for us and who rose for us on that resurrection morning. Thanks be to God that our lives are renewed and that we have been set free to love God and to love one another. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. 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 Amen. Hi, I'm Helen. I'm Kurt. I'm Kyan. And I'm Blake. And we're the Barker family. And we'd like to share the passing of the peace with you. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Now we encourage you to take a moment to pass the peace of Christ with others. Good morning, Kids Village. I am here to bring you your kids' message for this morning. Our message for this morning comes from the book of Luke. And in the classrooms, we have been learning where each book of the Bible is located. So for this morning, I have my Bible here that I use at home. And you can see that I have these fun little tabs down at the bottom. And when I open this one up, it takes us right to the book of Luke, where our story is for this morning. And it's Luke chapter 24, verses 13, all the way through 35 over on this side. And the book of Luke is located in the New Testament. Over here you can see the Old Testament. Our story for this morning is about Jesus and two men that were walking along a path. Before we get into our story, here at home we've been playing a lot of peekaboo with our little girl Anna. And maybe you've been playing hide and seek with your families at home. In the moments when we're playing peekaboo, Anna can't tell if we're there or if we're not. And then quickly she realizes that we are. In our story this morning, we learn of two men that were walking along a path and Jesus came up and started walking with them. In that moment, it was hidden from them that it was actually Jesus that they were walking with. So Jesus started talking with them and saying, oh, do you know what had happened? They started asking him, oh, there was a miracle that happened. Jesus supposedly rose from the grave on the third day and they weren't sure if they believed it. Later on in the story, we find out that they realized that it was Jesus that they were walking with. 
they ended up talking with Jesus and he was disappointed that they didn't realize or fully believe that it was him that had really performed that miracle of rising on the third day. So our encouragement for this morning is even when we can't see Jesus physically, like we can see our families, to know that he is with us. So sometimes we get afraid or scared or unsure if Jesus hears us. And our message for this morning is that Jesus wants to remind us that he is with us. And just like those two men, he is walking right alongside us. We hope that you enjoy your Sunday school videos that are posted to the Village Church website for this morning. And please be sure to check out more videos from your Sunday school teachers on our Facebook page. We miss you all. And again, we're praying for you and your families. We'll talk to you soon. How wonderful it is that we can join together, not only in a time of worship, 
but a time together when we could pray, pray for one another, pray for the world. I'll lead us through a pastoral prayer and then invite you to join me in the Lord's Prayer. Come now, let us bring our hearts to God in prayer. God Almighty, our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, we are gathered from every corner of your world to worship you together today. We are grateful, wherever we are, that we can bring to you our praise, prayers, and petitions. We ask your guidance on all we do as a community of your people, who in following your Son, our Lord Jesus, and in leaning on the intercession of your Holy Spirit, we lift our prayers to you. We give you praise for the continued work of our front responders who care for the victims of COVID-19. We give you praise for the collaboration of so many who work for the safety of others, who risk their own health to minister and who work to find a vaccine for the virus. We are grateful for the many churches and missions who continue to be the church, a community of faith in Jesus' name, reaching out to care and love others. Bless the ministry of words, cards, prayers, food, and supply. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Heavenly Father, some of us feel as if we are drowning, that we are out in the middle of the ocean or dropped into a deep lake alone and with no one in sight. We struggle to find something to grab onto, to stop our despair, fear, anxiety, and hopelessness. We confess, Lord, that we are always at odds with authority, timelines, safe practices, and our own agendas for how we should go about our daily lives in the midst of this pandemic. We wonder if the whole world is once and always at odds with you, Lord, as we hear the killings in Canada, the bickering between governments and leaders, even your creation is rebelling with storms and destruction in much of our southern states. We cry out for those whom we love who are sick and suffering, not only from the virus, but from cancer, heart disease, mental illness. We ache over the majority world who is ill-equipped to fight the virus and funds that have dried up as economies have been shaken to the core. Rescue us, Lord, from our worldly water-filled gulps for air. Help us to breathe deeply the fresh and pure air of your grace. Give us conviction to trust you daily, hourly, moment by moment, for you are a God who remembers us and knows us. Our God, who calls us by name and who has promised to be with us always through the presence and power of your Son, Jesus, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Even in our struggles, Lord, we continue to live in the promise of your presence to be with us. And so with confidence, we pray together the prayer your son taught us saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
we enter our time in the scriptures. Let us begin with a prayer of illumination. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. First, a reading from the Old Testament book of Genesis. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. For my part, I'm going to bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. In the 600th day of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of that month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. The rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights, and the waters swelled on the earth for one hundred fifty days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters gradually receded from the earth. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, 
birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind. For the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth. Nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And now a selection from the gospel according to John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're sadder like you've never been before. The life you knew in a thousand pieces on the floor, and words fall short. In times like these, when this world drives you to your knees, you think you're never gonna get back to the you that used to be. Tell your heart to beat again, close your eyes and breathe it in, let the shadows fall away, step into the light of grace. Yesterday's a closing door. You don't live there anymore Say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat again Beginning Just let that word wash over you It's alright now Love's healing hands pulled you through So get back up Take step one, leave the darkness, feel the sun. Cause your story's far from over, and your journey's just begun. Tell your heart to beat again, close your eyes and breathe it in. Let the shadows fall away, step into the light of grace. Yesterday's a closing door. 
picture that reminds you who has carried you this far because love sees farther than you ever could in this moment heaven's working everything for your good tell your heart to beat again close your eyes and breathe it in let the shadows fall away step into the light of grace yesterday's a closing door you don't live there anymore say goodbye to where you've been and tell your heart to beat Last week, we began a new series of sermons speaking about crisis in the Bible. There are many stories of crisis in the Bible, crisis in the relationship between humanity and God. Last week, we looked at what you might say is the first crisis that occurs in the story of the Scripture, the crisis that happens as Adam and Eve lose their place in the garden. This week, we're going to look at another crisis, another moment of uh, great pathos, great poignancy, great trouble, great concern. It is the story of the flood, Noah and the ark and the flood. Now, I know that many of you studied that story a long time ago, maybe some more recently, because it's a story that is so full of beautiful and memorable images a big rainstorm, a huge flood, a big boat that Noah builds, and then, of course, the animals going two by two into the ark. The story is filled with passion, it's filled with intrigue, it's filled with suspense, and then, of course, it ends with a rainbow. The story of the flood in Genesis is not the only flood story that we have from ancient times. In fact, in many other ancient religions and reports, there are stories of great floods. There's actually some archaeological evidence that would indicate that there were great floods that to the people of that time might have seemed like the whole face of the planet was covered in water. Ultimately, these stories are all about the force of a raging and mysterious sea, the force of the water that we cannot control, the force of the water that in its depths is full of mystery and great sea creatures that we don't understand. These stories also are a metaphor for deep existential truth, if you will, the truth that we realize as fragile human beings that we could be wiped out at any moment. We know about floods. We know about earthquake. We know about all kinds of so-called natural disasters that threaten to undo human life on the planet, and that's what these stories are about. The people of Israel, though, had a different take 
on this story. For them, the story of the flood was not just a story about how life was threatened, but it was a story about God, about the God whom they knew through the history of his relationship with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Israel has a unique take on the story of the flood, and that's what we want to look at today. As the story unfolds in Genesis, there are actually two crises that are presented to us. There is the crisis for humankind. We have not been, we are not being what we are meant to be. Humankind is created in God's image and yet very quickly moves away from that. Humanity chooses to go a different direction from the way that God would have us go, the way that leads to life and flourishing and abundance. That's the story of Adam and Eve leaving the garden, of course. As the story of the flood is told, we are given to believe that, that nobody turned back to God, that everybody went away from God. People used their freedom to act their freedom, their God-given image to rebel and run away and turn everything upside down. And so everything is in crisis. The creation is not as it is meant to be. That's one crisis. The other crisis is a crisis for God. God is grieved. God is upset. God is in great turmoil, we are told, because his creation is not turning out the way he wanted it to be. The pinnacle of his creation, men and women, humanity itself, meant to be in a beautiful relationship with God, a relationship of love and trust and abundance and joy. That relationship doesn't exist. And so there's a crisis in God's heart. He's grieved. What can we do about it? Should he start over? Should he simply say that was a good try, but it didn't work out? Should he ignore his creation and simply give up? Well, in most of the stories of the floods, everything is wiped away. And yet in this story, we see something else. That is part of the resolution, though, of course. We don't have time to go into the question of all of those who were destroyed in the flood because that's not really what the story is about. The story is about the judgment that all of us deserve. God looks on his creation and says, there's nothing that I can do because it has gone away from me. There is a word of judgment in the story of the flood. We deserve the flood that we get. But there is also another story going on. There's another resolution to the story. And that's where Noah comes in. We're told that God looks out over humankind and, and sees that it's gone away from him. But then he sees Noah. And he sees in Noah and in Noah's family the possibility of something else. And so God makes a covenant with Noah. God makes a promise to Noah. We're not told what Noah's response was. It's really kind of a one-sided contract. God says to Noah, I'm going to keep my eye on you in this flood. Atkinson says that a covenant is a declaration about the future relationship of two parties. It's a commitment. It's based on a promise. 
to enter that relationship and then the growth of that relationship over time. God makes a covenant with Noah to be his God. And then he provides for Noah a way out of the flood. And that's where grace comes in, not judgment, but grace. Noah does not necessarily deserve any more than what the others get. But God says to Noah, I will offer to you a way out. Grace is what we get from God that we don't deserve from God. Grace is God's love. And so God provides for Noah a way out. God provides an ark, a great ship that will be a place of safety, a place that will preserve life in the form that God made it to be. God provides a wind from his spirit, just like in the story of the original creation. We are told that after the flood has covered the face of the earth for many days, God causes a wind to blow over the face of the waters, and it dries out the water. It conquers the water, and it reveals dry land again, much as we're told in the opening phrases of Genesis that God's spirit moved across the face of the waters and created the dry land. God provides a new covenant, a new relationship, not just with Noah, of course, and Noah's family, but with all of his creation, with all living creatures. And then in that most beautiful image, we see that God provides a rainbow, a sign in the sky, in some sense literally a sign from the heavens where God is, a sign that reveals what is in God's heart now that he has dealt with the crisis that exists in his heart about what he should do for his creation. God says, I'm going to do something different and something new with my creation. In the very words of Genesis, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind. For the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That is God's covenant, God's promise with his creation, that he will never destroy it all. God's creation continues. That's one of the fundamental messages of the scriptures, and theologians and poets and painters over time have, have sought to express what that promise to creation is all about. The great theologian Jürgen Moltmann put it in this very theological way. He said, what does this mean for us? It means that in spite of all our justifiable mistrust in human history and the history of nature, our fundamental confidence in reality can be greater still. Reality in its deepest foundations is worthy of trust, for it is good. In the abyss of our disappointments, we find God's hope. In the deepest depths of appalling guilt, we find God's grace. In the bitterness of suffering that offers no escape, we find God's love. 
At the heart of everything is God's unswerving yes. And God stands firm. That's true. The story of the flood is about what we deserve, and yet it's a story about what God gives. A story of new beginnings, a story of grace, a story that God carries us through the storms. Recently, I came across Elizabeth Robertson's Kennedy's description of the flood story. It's not quite so theological, if you will, at least not in a formal sense, but it gets to the heart of the earthy side of things. She writes, What were Noah's wife and her three daughters-in-law thinking, cooped up in the ark as the storm raged around them? Running out of meal ideas? Struggling to keep the kids happy? Endlessly scrubbing and corralling the mess? Desperately wondering about their friend's safety? The survivor's guilt and wondering why things had to be like this. How long will we be in here? When we start this new world, how can we possibly do a better job than before? And then that heady burst of sweet, fresh air, when the ark door opened with the tender new grass and the kids running outside screaming and jumping and helping drag the stones over for the new altar, and then the rainbow, and a fresh word from God. Same problems, but a new way forward, as long as the earth shall endure. You have the feeling that she wrote this after having been cooped up with her kids for several weeks in the last few weeks, and maybe that gives us all a new appreciation for what it must have been like in the ark with the storms raging around and you're not quite certain that you're actually going to survive, but then you do. If you fast forward in the story of God's people, in the story of God's creation, you will find many, many more crises, many more times when the people give up on God and go their own way. Many, many more times when God is grieved in his heart and yet God always continues to reach out to his creation. God always stays with his creation. God never forsakes, God never gives up on the people whom he loves, all the people whom he has created. And eventually we get to the story of Jesus, a story we celebrated just a couple of weeks ago in Easter, a story how out of God's grief and God's frustration and yet God's creative will, God finds a way forward ultimately, the way forward that takes on the incompletion and the imperfection and the sinfulness of all humanity, a story that takes it into himself that dies for it, that absorbs the pain, that pays the penalty, that goes through death and separation from the source of life, which is God. But then the story that tells us that God resurrects, God renews. In reflecting on the story of Jesus, in reflecting and reporting the very words of Jesus himself, we hear these words from John that 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Those words from Jesus, as reported by John, are words that express the same conviction as the story of Noah and the ark and the flood. The conviction that God loves, and so God conquers death, and God shows the way to life, and God forgives, God saves. That's the story that you and I believe, the story that is at the heart of who we are. And so I'd like to ask you, what flood do you face right now in your life? Where are you in danger of being all washed up and washed away? Maybe you've lost someone you've loved, or maybe you're grieving the loss of your own health. Maybe you've lost a job or your life savings. Maybe you've lost a relationship with other people, or that relationship is strained or non-existent now because you simply can't be with them. Maybe you're suffering the loss of life as you have known it, and, and you're not sure what life is ever going to be again. We are all living in the midst of a great flood now. But we need to remember that God always provides an ark. God always provides a way out. One of the most ancient symbols of the church is the symbol of a boat, a ship. The church is that place where God puts us so that we are safe in the storms. And, and what is the church? The church is a place where you have friends who are family. The church is a place where you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The church is that place where in friendship and fellowship and prayer and hope and service and love, you find that you can weather any storm. Not long ago, Damien Barr commented, correctly so, that we are not all in the same boat. We are in the same boat storm. And by that he meant to say that not everyone has the same resources available to them to weather the storm. Some people perhaps have only one oar and no boat at all. Some people perhaps have only the tiniest little rowboat. Some perhaps have great yachts where they're comfortable and safe. And so as you and I think about the faith that we have and the community of faith that surrounds us and the conviction that we have of God's love. And as you and I think about the fact that we have a God who always is with us, we need as well to think about those who do not have those things, those who do not have what we might be able to offer. And so here's another question I would ask, for whom are you a lifeboat? For whom are you an ark? that you can offer to give to someone so that they can weather the storm. I have this simple vision in my head, a vision that when we are being swept away by the floods of life, we reach our hands out and God grabs hold and he never lets go of us. But then that leaves us another hand. And with that other hand, I believe that God means for us to reach out and grab hold of someone else. 
God means for us to hold on to him, and more importantly, he holds on to us without letting go. But then God gives us the confidence and the strength and the wherewithal to reach out to others with his love, with his strength, so that we can give to them what they need so that they can weather the storm as well. That's what you and I are called to do when we're going through these floods of life. To reach out again to God who has promised that he'll always be there. And then to reach out to others who need to know that promise and need to know that love. You know, I know that within the last six weeks since we've been all cooped up and fighting this virus, that there have been many rainbows in the sky. Remember that. The rainbow is always there because God is always there for you so that you can be there for others. Amen. We have just heard God's word read and proclaimed. Let us respond by affirming our faith through the words of Holy Scripture. Let us join our hearts and voices together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Amen. Lord, or fill and plain, or 
as we get ready to leave each other's company right now, let me encourage you to do a couple of things. First thing I want you to do is go rummage around in the attic or maybe just go online and find a Noah's Ark somewhere. If you've ever had kids and if you've ever kept any of their stuff, surely somewhere you have a little boat with a couple of giraffes and a couple of monkeys and a couple of elephants and a couple of anteaters or whatever. Go find that ark and get it out and, and look at it. If you, don't, if you don't have an ark like that in your house anymore, then just go online and look at some of the arks that exist in the great history of, of literature and especially of art and contemplate what it means that God took a remnant of all of life, not just human life, but all of life, and God preserved and protected it. And God said, I will always be with it. The other thing I want you to do is remember another piece of the story that often gets overlooked. Do you remember that after Noah and his family came out of the ark and went back out onto the dry land, that the very first thing Noah did was not go to the beach. He didn't go to his favorite restaurant. The very first thing that Noah did was to build an altar. He and his family collected stones and they built a place there where they could worship God, thanking God for their deliverance, thanking God for the chance of new life. And that's what you and I need to do in the midst of the storms and after the storms and before more storms come, we need to worship God. We need to keep our relationship with God going. We need to say to God, God, we are always going to do what we can to hang on to you, to know you, to be filled with your strength, because we know that you're going to hold on to us. Who are you telling today about the good news of God's love? a never-ending love that is given the sign and the seal and the stamp not only of approval but of guarantee, a sign assured for us in the beauty of the rainbow in the sky. That's a great job you and I have to do. Let's do it well. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.
Thank you.